21st Century HR is a podcast exploring how to build better businesses through modern people practices and approaches. It's brought to you by my firm, Amplify. Amplify provides HR executive search and strategic consulting services that help companies build better organizations. From employer brand development and execution to global talent strategies, Amplify develops custom solutions that help clients from Hootsuite to SpaceX optimize their recruiting capabilities. Amplify also hosts a new community for HR leaders called the Ecosystem. The Ecosystem was designed to bring modern HR leaders around the world together to share ideas, inspiration, and support. Learn more at AmplifyTalent.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to 21st Century HR Live. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. It's good to be back with another live episode. And this isn't just a live episode. This is a special episode. You know, a lot of these episodes, uh, I feel really lucky because I get to talk with uh, friends and people who I've admired in the industry for a while. And uh, today's guest is a, a really cool intersection of both of those things. Uh, so Claude Silver is the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia. Uh, she's somebody who uh, I really look up to in the space, I think does tremendous work and really is reinventing the mold of what it means to lead people teams. Um, I was first introduced to Claude about five years ago. Uh, Gary Vanderchuk was doing the opening keynote at Unleash in uh, Unleash America in San Francisco, and I had a chance to uh, interact with him and introduce him for uh, one of the sessions. And uh, you know, in his talk, he really laid out his vision for uh, people and building a really uh, you know heart-centric and culture-centric organization. And the linchpin of that was uh, his chief heart officer, Claude. And I'd never heard that title before, uh, but as he described her and the role, I knew I needed to meet her. And so he connected us and we've been fast friends since and really excited to spend some time with her on today's episode. So uh, this is an interactive show. So wherever you're streaming this, if you have questions for Claude, uh, feel free to add those in the comment section. I'm gonna do my best to cover them all uh, online and uh, while we're talking. So with that, let me go ahead and bring Claude on. Claude, it's good to see you. Hey Lars, what's up? Yeah, oh, it's so awesome to jam with you here. Uh, you know, I, I gave a bit of a background on you, but uh, it's always much uh, more compelling when you actually hear it directly from the person. So I'd love for you to just start with just a quick uh, introduction and background on you for the viewers. All right, right on. Uh, I'm Claude Silver. I'm the Chief Heart Officer at VaynerMedia. VaynerX actually is our umbrella holding company. I've been at Vayner six years. I just had my Vayneversary, and yes, we do call them Vayneversaries. I've been in the world of digital since the dark age of 1998. Uh, took a little bit of a, a side road there. Uh, had a surfing outdoor adventure company in uh, 2000 and 2005 in the cold Bay Area water. Um, and my, I, I just literally have a, a, a lust for people and uh, what's possible for people. So stoked to be here with my friend Lars and stoked to be here with uh, the audience today. Yeah, so I feel uh, I feel lucky. This is actually the first time we've had a chance to uh, to jam. Uh, we recorded a podcast uh, back when this was a, uh, a pure podcast last year uh, when we got to talk live. I got to hang out at your office for a little bit, and uh, so I heard all about the adventure company and just your path, which is fascinating. So if you're if you're watching this, definitely look back uh, through some of the earlier episodes of Twenty First Century HR to find that one because really illuminating about Claude's uh, career path and journey and how she got to where she is, but really also how she operates. And this is a 30 minute show that's interactive with audience questions. We certainly can't go that deep uh, now, but I strongly encourage you to check that out. Um, Claude, let's just start like obviously understatement of the day. These are weird times. Like, how are you? Like, how are you, how are you doing? Uh, what is your, what is your setup, uh, you know, right now where you're working kind of 
physically, structurally? Uh, what, what is your world right now? Yeah, great question. So uh, my partner, my 18-month-old, and myself left uh, the middle of New York City about nine weeks ago, and we were in the Poconos. I'm in a lake cabin, which you can see by the wonderful decor on the walls, and uh, right on a lake, which is great. It's extremely isolating here, and I would say for the first five weeks, I just kicked up a storm. It was very, it was just too quiet for me, too, too quiet. And while I never really thought I was a massive extrovert, I think I am extroverted or ambiverted because I was missing just the the dynamicness of people and and um, just being around people all day. So I found a way to do that online, obviously, uh, with the, those I, I work for and work with. And I now have a really healthy level of acceptance. And I'm like, all right, I can do this. And not only can I do this, um, I want to help other people get to that place because, man, oh man, it's tough. It's really, really tough being in isolation and you know, just walking around with a mask on and, and waiting in line for a grocery store and being six feet away from someone. And, you know, I think just the, the level of intimacy that we all have grown accustomed to, whether or not it's in our own home, with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers, walking down the street is missing from our lives. So, um, you know, I kicked and streamed for a while and, uh, and now I'm, I'm at a better place. And I recognize that um, I'm extremely fortunate to have fresh air and to um, to be with my family. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think you, this whole experience, I think for all of us, you've gone through the different phases of grief, uh, right? And, you know, acceptance is is what you you strive for. You have to kind of, you know, if you can get to that point and not everybody, yeah, not everybody can get there at all. Uh, and some people get there and then they revert to different stages and they come back. Like the whole thing is, is cyclical. Uh, it's difficult, you know. For you, do you have any kind of um, daily rhythms, daily uh, strides, kind of operating cadences in terms of you know how you manage? Um, obviously, demanding role, you know, mom time, partner time, uh, you time, all the things that uh, you know you, you have to be able to work into twenty four hours. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have, I don't, I don't have a rhyme or rhythm. It's much more of like a cauldron and then you just put all the ingredients in and you just hope like it's going to taste like a decent soup at the end of the day, to be quite honest. Uh, but I have a routine of what I know is going to go into that soup, if that, if that makes sense. So I know I'm going to really try to at least do like 15 minutes of mindful meditation. Right. And I'm going to try to stretch, even if it's five minutes, I'm going to spend time with, uh, with my, my baby, I'm going to drink coffee and, um, and I'm going to get to it. If I can get outside, that's really um, a bonus in my day. And I'm really trying to do more of that. Uh, listening to music whenever I can have like even like three minutes of just putting something on or something on repeat because music really grounds me. And, um, and just like just remembering that I don't know when this will pass, but this too shall pass. And at the end of the day, like I, I hope that I'm a, a wiser person and, a, and a, um, a more heartfelt person after it. And I know I'm doing my best. I think that's the thing. Like the rhyme or rhythm is like, I'm, I'm doing my best. And that's all I can really ask of myself. And at the, like I say, at the end of the day, it is something that tastes okay. Yeah, you know, I think that that, um, that acceptance with doing your best is is really important um and i think you know everybody is going through this at their own pace and, and i think for those of us who are um you know we're, we're parents 
we're, we're employees, we're partners, you know, we, we have all of these different hats that we wear. And I think that, um, you know, in, in the earlier days of this, you're trying to fit it all in and you're trying to fit it all in at the levels that they were before this hit. Uh, and I think that broke people. I think that broke a lot of people of saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, you know, my output up at work and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to have this detailed schedule um, for school. And um, that's just not, you know, that's, you can't maintain that. And I think when you, when you realize that and, and then you accept that and then you say, okay, well, here's what I can do. And here's what I can do today. And here's what I can do tomorrow. Right. And just, I think, uh, you know, have that, uh, you know, that, that understanding with yourself that, uh, you know, you're going to do what you can and, and that's, that's what you need to expect from yourself. And, you know, you can't crush yourself, uh, mentally, physically, you know, any of these ways, or you're just not, you know, you're not going to last. And this is a situation that is kind of indefinite. We don't know how long we're going to be, uh, you know, in this shape. So I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah, I think, you know, what you said reminds me of like, you have to throw perfectionism out the door. And, yeah. you know, I don't have my daughter with me right now, but like last week, she was coming all over me in my hand, like having a monkey on me. And while I was on camera, you know, while I was on <laughs> my daughter, and that's just the way it was. And I um, I have to say, incredibly like, human about that. And um, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. We're like just be ourselves and for someone like me who's constantly talking about bringing humanity back into the workplace and like showing our real selves well like our real selves is like yeah my daughter is freaking screaming right now or she's you know <laughs> or or the phone's ringing or you know something's happening uh, or the wi-fi just went out like that's the real deal and um and there's no shame in my game and i i don't think there there need be shame in anyone's game we're doing the best we can yeah, you know it'll be interesting too. I think when when we're when we get to what's next, uh, you know I think that there are there are people who've operated like that and have always operated like that, and there's people who uh, had this kind of veneer of infallibility, right, or kind of perfection that this whole situation like you can't maintain, like that gets crushed. And so do you, you know, do we all kind of show up as ourselves uh, a bit more, um, you know, on the other side of this? I think that'll be interesting uh, to see. I mean, we haven't gone through a global event quite like this, that's causing lots of people to rethink lots of things. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting. Um, I wanna pull in uh, some uh, viewer questions uh, as well as we kind of go through this. And the first question comes from uh, Joanna Ardleman. Uh, and she asks, if you have any tips um, for HR leaders who are having to make hard business decisions right now, things like uh, you know layoffs and reductions, um, and do that while maintaining kind of empathy in those discussions, but also doing that in a way that, uh, you know, you don't then carry guilt after those events. Um, and so a lot to pack in there. So I just, I'll, I'll throw that over to you just to get your thoughts. That's a phenomenal question. And uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going through the same things in terms of having to make those tough people decisions and having to say goodbye to people that I've worked with and that have been part of our fabric for X amount of years. Um, I'm sure you go into those conversations with as much grace and generosity of spirit as you possibly can. Um, I will say that uh, at times compartmentalizing has been a gift to me. It's also been a curse in my life, but when it comes to some of these decisions, making sure that while I'm empathetic, I'm not a sponge and I'm able to do a separation between me and the conversation that I'm having. I'm present in the conversation, but I'm not attached to it. I know where I need to get to. I know where we need to get to. 
um, but I don't want to be a, a doormat or a sponge. And so there's a level of empathy and there's a level of compassion that I bring in, which is a little bit different than empathy. Um, so that's what I would definitely say. I also do uh, a lot of like energetic separations to be as, you know, corny Northern California as that is, um, and really remind myself that who I am in my body, put my feet on the floor so I can feel myself and then um, have as much, um, ha have the ability to hold space in that conversation. But again, not taking it on because that, if I took that on, I would never get out of bed in the morning. And I, uh, I imagine that would be the same for you and many of us that are having to, to have these conversations. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think, um, you know, I, we'll probably get into this a little bit later in the episode, but um, just the idea of prioritizing self-care uh, as a people leader, like you, if you're a, a people leader uh, watching this, your job was hard in January, right? Like this is not an easy job. It's never been an easy job. It was, it's been an incredible. And I think the demands on the role were just continuing to increase leading up on this, leading up to this. Now it's like, boom, it's level 11, right? It's, uh, it's incredibly difficult. So you've got to find whatever it takes for you um, to be able to, to recharge, to refresh. And that's actually a, a good transition to uh, our next question from our friend Torin Ellis, uh, who's watching on LinkedIn. And um, he's wondering, you said you had mentioned that you're a, a vibrant extrovert. Uh, and obviously in these circumstances that, you know, in a traditional sense, the way you used to get juice out of that, you can't. So um, how are you replacing that void? Are you, uh, you know, taking up new hobbies, showing up differently on Zoom? reading crime novels, like what, what are you doing to kind of support the switch to, to not being able to kind of physically get that, uh, get that connection and that juice? Yeah, I do it on Zoom. Yeah. I am doing jam sessions with at least 10 people at a time uh, on the Zoom. What I love about that is everyone has the same size square. We start off with icebreakers, get to know you. And I mean, like I'm going like some fun icebreakers uh, that it's not just like one answer. It's one answer and why. And I'm doing that, I'm cross-pollinating across our global uh, offices and across different teams. And so I'm getting to see people that I know and love, and I'm also getting to meet new people. You know, there's 800 people, so I haven't gotten to all of them. And then watching them cross-pollinate and, and then enter into that conversation. So it's really, it's a jam session, and, and I call them uh, culture jam sessions. I do them every day at 12 o'clock. 12 at 12. Last night I did one uh, with Singapore, which was nine o'clock East Coast um, PM. So that's a big way I'm getting a lot of my juice. And also we already know like there's a lot of Zoom fatigue. So while I'm getting juice, I also have to be really mindful, again, back to self-care that I'm not like going into the void of the screen because uh, I need to make sure that I'm again, present in this real world of like my feet are on the floor, not getting lost in the matrix in there. But um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And are there, I'm curious, like the, uh, you know, Zoom fatigue, I agree is, is real. And like, you know, we're, a lot of us are in this place where, you know, we had gone to an office every day. Now we're not going to office. We don't know when we're going to an office. Uh, yeah. All of our meetings were live, uh, maybe via phone, maybe occasionally Zoom. Now they're almost 100% Zoom. And that's, that's taxing. You know, do, do, do you at kind of Vaynerx, um, have you instituted any kind of programs uh, around, um, I've heard some companies look at like, you know, no Zoom Fridays or any kind of, uh, you know, protocols or, or systems in place to try to, you know, create a bit of space for some more of the, um, you know, the deep work and or just just a break from kind of the, the, the constant buzz of meetings. 
So we haven't done a no Zoom Friday, although that's a really good idea. We've got a um, at 12:30 every single day across all of the offices. Every single person has this invite in their uh, in their calendar, which is um, uh, 10 minutes of mindfulness, and we have a mindfulness um, uh, spiritual teacher that comes on and and is a guide for us. So that's across every office 12:30 in this time zone. So we can hit every time zone except except Singapore, and then we do it for them. Um, so that's the first thing we've got other people that have done a lot of their own exercise programs. And so like at three o'clock PM, people are doing planks all across the different offices. Um, and then one of the things I said week two was I reminded everyone of our working hours and I reminded everyone that it is necessary to get up and go take a walk for 20 minutes or go do some stretching and go do whatever it is you want to do. And just let people know on Slack that you're taking a time out because we're all getting sucked in. And as much as I would love to put the phone on and have a phone call so I could like fold the laundry, I know that that's really not what's required right now. So it is um, by no means micromanaging and telling people what to do. It is offering suggestions and offering these uh, very much like kind of like these guerrilla uh, campaigns that we have now, which, which people uh, in the company have created, whether or not it's the plank or the, um, uh, you know, people that have Pelotons now are doing these competitions on their Peloton bikes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's wild the um, uh, inventiveness that the situation kind of forces on us, right? Because as humans, like we we want these outlets, we want these connections. Uh, it's hard to do that in, in in these situations. And so whether it's um, you know Zoom happy hours, uh, trivia nights, game nights, you know. Uh, uh, different, you know, Peloton rituals. I mean, you could find things like that and create things like that. And I imagine it's pretty cool from your point of view of, of watching some of that stuff organically bubble up from the team, right? So like you're, you know, again, like coming back to your cauldron analogy, uh, you know, you're not saying, okay, now we're going to do this. Because I think there, there's a real risk for people leaders to over-engineer that, right? Because you're kind of like, you know, you're struggling, like how do we, how do we you know, keep our culture healthy? How do we support employees? How do we do this? And I think that there's a, there's a risk of over-engineering that for, for people leaders when, you know, it's like, you know, bring your dog to work a Zoom meeting thing. Yeah. And all those things are great. But again, like, I think you have to, it, it's that balance of, of trying to create some of those programs um, and then trying not to over-engineer that. But I think when you see those bubbling up from the employees and it's all, you know, opt-in, hey, I'm doing this, it's a whole different thing, right? Because then it's like, there's no HR mandate. You know, there's no people team mandate. It's like, cool, if I'm into this, I'm in. If I'm not, I'm not. Well, and that's the killer thing about culture is that culture is created in the fringes. Microcultures are created in the fringes. You know, you've got skateboards behind you. You know, the whole skate revolution was created in the, in the 70s and like it was way underground, you know, and then it became more mainstream so that like we're, we're paying professional skaters now. You know, that took a yeah. while. But I love watching the bubble up. And I love the fact that that I can be a guide, but I don't have to be camp counselor. I don't have to come up with like, oh, here's 20 things that you can do. Right. You know, because I'm not I'm just not that innovative. Yeah. Know? But the crew is. And that's that's just the most gorgeous thing. This is not a time where we're leading from ivory towers. This is not a time where it's like. Claude or Gary set the agenda. This is a time where everyone gets to set the agenda and I get to play in it too. Yeah, no, that's, that's very cool. Um, and I wanna, I'm gonna jump into another question just around kind of 
setting that agenda. Uh, this one comes from Brenda Rigney, uh, and she's curious about in terms of like your people team structure. Um, and a two-part question, but I'm going to focus more on the the second part of that, which is when, when you're thinking about uh, where work is going, right? And this is a hard thing to think about because there's a lot of unknown, and so we're you know we're, we're projecting to a, a general target, but we don't really know timelines or anything else. You know, when you think about your team and how your team is structured now, uh, and perhaps you know how your team will need to be structured in the future based on what's next. Um, do you do you think about that? Uh, if so, do you see any gaps between kind of the resources and the and the team and the people, the structure that you have today versus what you're going to need to have to support um, kind of the organization of the future with what's next? So I don't see gaps, but I see possibility of where more partnership could come in. So, for example, our HR business partners are partnering with department uh, department heads, department leads, or other uh, senior leaders, and I can I see where that can get tighter. I see where we can really help translate the vision of of said department head to their entire department because sometimes those department heads are they're, they're visionaries. They might not be necessarily like the greatest people leaders or the greatest communicators of their vision. So that's one thing that I'm I'm seeing start to happen. And I'm really, really excited about that because that's a partnership that that's going to make us the best place ever. If 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 we if we can have that type of partnership from people, the people people like us, and then these people that are are leading um, the creative output of our company. I think that that's a win-win. So again, being more in the coaching seat, the more the guide, more of the Sherpa. Um, those are things that I think is 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 where HR is going, and um, and getting away from the you know regulatory um, other stuff that is needed. But I, I just don't think we need to be there full time. Yeah, I mean the field has definitely evolved um, beyond compliance, and it's not that we're abstaining compliance requirements obligations. That's obviously a part of the function, but it's not a value add. Uh, part of the function, looking at what we can really bring um, for modern HR teams today. So, um, and that, that's actually a good transition to our, our next question from uh, Helena on LinkedIn. Uh, she she asked about, you know, heart being a value of, uh, you know, VaynerX, obviously something that Gary talks a lot about, and obviously it's part of your uh, your, your role and your even your title. Um, how does the, how does kind of the, the value of heart get integrated into how VaynerX operates and then I guess cascading down from that in terms of developing your talent strategy, you know, how do you infuse that into uh, how the people team supports the organization? Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal question. Thank you for breaking it down like that. Um, we equate high performance with people that have self-awareness and uh, an EQ. I believe that we are teaching life skills and hard skills at VaynerMedia. We call our culture internally the honey empire. It's not the empire of honey. And so honey is all of those EQ traits. It's, it's everything that you would imagine, compassion, empathy, um, gratitude, self-awareness, uh, respect, all of those things, listening skills, being non-judgment, being the bigger person. That is what we hire for as well. So it is the honey empire. Gary is a massive proponent and preacher of that. I am as well. My team then scales me, obviously, and scales Gary as I scale Gary and, and everyone else. Um, and so it, it, it's something we, we give feedback on in our reviews. And yes, we still do annual reviews. It is the first portion of our review, which is the honey portion. And so again, 
high perform we we are looking at high performers um or we are equating high performance with not only that you can master your skills but that you are a person that is um a we not i type of person that is essential for who we are you won't you really won't make it at VaynerMedia if you are an i first um and that's and that's really why i'm here because i believe in the we not the i yeah, well, no, that's um, that's great. And I remember actually hearing you talk about that. I think the first time we met live in San Francisco at the Culture Amps event. So yeah, um, yeah, it was just you know I think the way that you you approach it, and you define it, and I think for a lot of practitioners, you know, they they hear heart, uh, and heart is a word that everybody has a different definition to, and like how that might get operationalized. And I think you can break it down in a way that really makes sense. Um, that uh, that I think is really helpful for uh, for you know kind of listeners and just people who are fans. Uh, of different approaches in HR um, can connect with. Um, and yeah, I want to yeah. really quickly, and I, sorry, I'm going to jump in and just say like, yeah, please do. You know, real common sense, and I'm I'm really a basic type of person. Like, heart is the central operating system of us. Every single human being has a heart. We do not function without a heart. Humans are the central operating system of any type of business and culture. So for me, it is so necessary that we bring our hearts into our workplace. And yes, I know that comes with all kinds of protection and all of that stuff. And we can have that conversation another time, but it's essential, I think essential more today than ever that we are uh, aware that we're bringing our heart in and that that we're allowing ourselves to bring our heart in. You know, mm -hmm. this is where we're going. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's ever been uh, a time where that is just underscored, I mean, I think it was always important, but I think particularly now, uh, when everybody is just going through this thing, right? And they're all going through it at their own uh, speed, at their own pace. I think that's that's vitally important. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna jump to one more uh, viewer question. This one comes from uh, Matt Stalker, and he's curious, what advice would you have for HR leaders that are trying to kind of transform their people teams from legacy kind of old school teams to modern, you know, new school 21st century HR teams? Okay, so the first piece of advice I have is do it <laughs> and take the first step and figure out, you know, I, I don't think there needs to be modules, but figure out like, what is it that you're trying to do? What is the goal? Are you trying to have a more empathetic uh, culture and get rid of your fear? Well, then you have to figure out where your fear is. And then you have to go strategically in and try to diffuse that fear. And how do you diffuse the fear? Well, you shine light on it. You put a, you, you put a flashlight on it. That's what you do. So, um, but I'm very, very um, clear on there is no waiting to do it. You do it and you start listening to your crew. You start listening to what people say. You ask some questions. How are we doing? Do you like it here? You know, what do you think the culture is like? What would you like to see? If you had a magic wand, what would you do? Listening, because people will tell you. If they feel safe enough, they will tell you what it is they're looking for and what it is they need. They need, and then you and your team can start to not only support that, complement it. You can be that, and so um, start today. Yeah, I I love that idea. You have to just be able to to act, right? I think it's easy to to overanalyze this um, and and try to think that you have to have your roadmap and your plan all carved out before you get started. You don't. Have some ideas, have have a vision, have a perspective, have a point of view, um, but uh, but don't wait until you have that all figured out to introduce it because it's just going to cost you time, and uh, and and I think it's better to just get you know get after it like you said. Um, yeah. 
Claude, it's been awesome jamming with you. It always is. Uh, you know, we close every show with a, uh, a series called One Good Thing. And so I want to kind of turn it back over to you to close out the show uh, with any, you know, one good thing, something that made you happy uh, from the last week that you want to share. Oh my gosh, I got to promote someone today on my team. And that was the best thing ever. And uh, we are promoting without, uh, without uh, salary adjustments right now for obvious reasons. But the promotion, man, the recognition and the validation of a job extremely well done. She started crying and it was the best thing ever. So I'm so proud of her and uh, I'm so proud of that, that, that I'm in an organization that even in these hard times believes in the benefits of recognition of, uh, of job well done. That's amazing. That's one of the, we're all in these difficult times and many companies are having to go through reductions and layoffs and cost cutting exercises, which is uh, you know, the hard part of this job. Um, but then you also have moments like that uh, where you get to make somebody, somebody's day and, uh, and recognize them. So I'm, uh, I'm stoked for her. Tell her I said, congratulations. <laughs> I'm stoked you got to experience that. And uh, I'm grateful for you making time to come on the show and uh, just sharing some of your journey. And um, yeah, looking forward to uh, you know, many more conversations and uh, shining a light on the great work you're doing. Thanks, Lars. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it so much. All right, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of 21st Century HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this or read stories from the 21st Century HR Fast Company series, go to 21stCenturyHR.com. And if you want to make your podcast just a little more awesome, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform your ears desire. You'll find all the subscribe links on the website. And if you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor and share it with your peers, your network, your boss, and your CEO. Help me get the podcast into the ears of anyone who wants to know what HR and recruiting looks like when done really well. They'll thank you for it, and so will I. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode.